Bernie Sanders beating Kamala Harris. Bernie Sanders is beating Kamala Harris two to one among black Democratic primary voters, a new poll finds. This is from The Intercept. Uh, And remember, smash the like button. If you haven't pressed that like button yet, get going. And I'm sorry, you know, this is recorded, so I can't interact with you live, but uh, we will be interacting with you in the live chat, if that makes sense. Somebody will be interacting with you right now uh, as, as the premiere is going. So three weeks after launching his presidential campaign, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders is leading all other announced candidates in support from black voters, a new poll finds. The only potential candidate who polled better with African-Americans than Sanders, according to the poll by Morning Consult, is former Vice President Joe Biden, who has not announced a campaign. Despite a persistent notion that his supporters are disproportionately white male bros, the new survey suggests that Sanders is actually slightly more popular among black Democratic voters than white ones, indicating that the narrative that developed during the 2016 campaign may no longer hold if it ever did. Keyword narrative, which I'm going to get back to. Sanders' support among black voters at 28% puts him in second place among that demographic behind Biden at 32%. He trailed Biden 31 to 25 among whites. I would suggest that when Biden actually gets in the race and more about his record that is not so kind to black people, especially black men that are in prison because of the crime bill that Joe Biden drafted, uh, I think those polls might go down a little bit. There appears to be a strong class element at play in the finding. The same poll found that the demographic Sanders is least popular with at 19 and 70 percent respectively uh, are Democrats who make more than 100,000 per year and Democrats who have postgraduate degrees, two qualities that typically, if not always, overlap. Because of the structural wealth and income gaps, the population is heavily white. Sanders, meanwhile, receives his strongest support from those making less than 50,000, a group that is, for the same reasons, much more diverse. The poll found that 30% of those with the lowest income backed Sanders. And frankly, the gap between white and black people in terms of uh, uh, earnings is significant. So I would venture to guess a lot of that uh, under 50,000 group is African-American. Senator Kamala Harris, uh, Miss For the People herself, has half as much support at 14% among black voters as Sanders, according to supplementary polling data provided to The Intercept by Morning Consult. The findings are drawn from a sample of 2,587 black, likely Democratic primary voters. Cory Booker comes in fourth at 6% among black voters. Elizabeth Warren and Beto O'Rourke both registered 4%, while Senator Gillibrand, uh, Mike Bloomberg, who just announced he's not running, thank you, thank you, Jesus, Uh, former Attorney General Eric Holder, Ohio Senator Sherrod Brown, and others all clocked in at 1%. So, uh, you know, before I get to Kamala Harris and and what this means, I want to talk about Bernie because uh, I interviewed Michael Tracy, a former Young Turks reporter, uh, which we aired yesterday, so you could go check out that interview. And I made the point that I think this notion that uh, Bernie Sanders has a problem with African Americans was always very overblown. Any candidate, any candidate that was uh, running against Hillary Clinton, if it was just a two-way contest, I mean, let's face it, it was a two-way contest between Bernie and Hillary. I mean, the other two that were in there for five minutes weren't a factor. Any candidate that ran against a political machine, it wasn't just Hillary Clinton Bernie Sanders was running against, it was the machine around her. Bill and Hillary Clinton had basically been going down to the South, to churches, Uh, making inroads with the black community, uh, not just in the South, but all over the country for 20 years. So 
number one, he had no ra- name recognition uh, in 2016. How do I know that? I did a lot of interviews in the South, in, in South Carolina and other places where people, if they, if, if a lot of people didn't know who he was, this, who he was, this was the first time they even heard of him, but it was already baked into the cakes. Well, you know, we know the Clintons and blah, blah, blah. And as, as a white person, you know, uh, not just a journalist, but as a person, uh, I was very careful not to come off condescending to those black voters that were supporting Hillary Clinton. You don't want to be like, well, you know, why don't you know what's good for you? You know, uh, I did point out to uh, some uh, African-Americans that I interviewed, well, what about the crime bill? What about welfare reform? Uh, what about repealing Glass-Steagall, which really harmed uh, black people? As a result of repealing Glass-Steagall, that's what led to the 2008 global financial crash, which didn't get a lot of coverage, but uh, more black people were foreclosed on than white people. Uh, the banks uh, and their agents were predatory lending specifically, uh, even more so in poor black communities. So uh, I think Bernie Sanders or any candidate was destined to get their clock cleaned, particularly in the South. Hillary Clinton had more name recognition than any other candidate probably of the last two to three decades. Uh, Bill Clinton, you know, a lot of uh, African-American people remember Bill Clinton, you know, going on uh, African-American TV, playing the saxophone. Uh, and, and frankly, uh, a lot of voters, not just black, white, too, are, are not so informed on what policies they were or were not for. So they just say, oh, the 90s were good. The economy was good. You know, and I, honestly, straight up, a lot of uh, a lot of black women I interviewed, a big part of their voting for Hillary Clinton was first woman president. So I think this notion that Bernie Sanders has a major problem with African-Americans was overhyped. Did he have a problem by way of the results? Yeah, he got his clock cleaned among older African-Americans. But the schedule was also front-loaded for all those states, which obviously was to help Hillary Clinton. I mean, it was shown uh, in WikiLeaks that the DNC was making memos before Hillary Clinton or Bernie Sanders even announced, basically preparing for Hillary to be the general election nominee. So I guess my point is, number one, when you have no written name recognition as Bernie Sanders, when you're an old white dude against somebody who's frankly beloved among the black community, the older black community, Bernie Sanders, corporate media doesn't talk about it. He won the millennial black vote, just like he won the millennial white vote, uh, millennial Latino vote, excuse me. So yes, on, on paper, he had a problem, but I think it was a, there, there's context to that. It was who he was running against, how the schedule was front-loaded, and, you know, he didn't have enough time to – and the more time, if you remember, the more time on the schedule between primaries, the more time he campaigned, the better he did. The more people heard his message, knew who he was, the better he did. So my point is I think what the polls are showing now, uh, two to one against Kamala Harris, um, is frankly he's uh, he's a known quantity now, and uh, I also think – I've always said this. Every four years, there's there's millions more 18-year-olds voting, white 18-year-olds, black uh, 18-year-olds, uh, brown 18-year-olds, indigenous 18-year-olds, LGBT, handicap. I mean, whatever. Uh, all vulnerable minority communities. So uh, what what I'm saying is I think his message, especially the tweaks he's making, it might seem like a small thing. And I know Ty, um, our photojournalist, at the Bernie rally, thought he was like reading from his notes too much. Well, I watched his entire speech in Chicago. And I'm not saying this as somebody who likes Bernie. I'm saying it just on the eye test. He 
That's the most personal I've ever spoke, heard him talk about when he talked about getting involved in the civil rights movement and the student uh, group to desegregate housing at the University of Chicago and how, why it was personal to him. I thought it was great. And I think it's a message that's going to resonate not just with younger black people, but older black people, because I didn't know that whole story. And I do this for a living. So I'm assuming most black voters don't know the whole story. Um, and this notion by a lot of Hillary Clinton people and establishment people, well, that was in the 1960s. What has he done for black people since? Well, his policies would help all people, but also black people. I mean, there's a lot of black people without health insurance. There's a lot of black people who have no education and can't afford school. Uh, there's a lot of black people uh, that in their communities are the most hit with environmental toxins and pollution. I mean, just look at Flint, East Chicago, Baltimore, Milwaukee, Cleveland. These are black communities. Detroit. So uh, I think what you're seeing right now is, number one, he's a known quantity. Number two, he didn't stop after he lost. He's been barnstorming the country. He went down to Mississippi uh, to stand with the Nissan workers. He's been to Kentucky. He's been to Arkansas. He's been to other southern states since 2016. And number three, I think, honestly, and I've always thought this, and you got to be careful how you talk, Bernie Sanders' appeal is about class. It's not about race. So I think whether it's poor white people, poor black people, working class white people, working class black people, you know, black people don't only, and I'm speaking as a white person, so I don't want to speak for black people, but black people don't only vote uh, based on social issues. They also vote based on their wallet, just like white people, on uh, their kids' education, just like white people, on environmental issues, just like white people, student debt, uh, there's, a, there's a lot of things. And I think Bernie Sanders is leading more and more in a lot of speeches with cr uh, criminal justice reform, bail reform, and a lot of things that obviously disproportionately are of interest to black communities. So, you know, it's the reverse for Kamala Harris and why I said uh, from the beginning, you know, what has Kamala Harris accomplished in the Senate that, that she is a better choice for president than Bernie Sanders or anyone else. There's a difference between qualified to run. She's qualified. She, she was a attorney general, a district attorney, and now a senator. She's qualified. But being qualified doesn't make you the right candidate. What has she accomplished? She got into the Senate and within six months was meeting with Hillary Clinton's top donors in the Hamptons. She has moonwalked on Medicare for All within 24 hours. She's also moonwalked. She was for free public college uh, in December. She moonwalked to debt-free college in January. You don't think any of this has to do with who her donors are? And by the way, uh, it's not, I'm not ready to report it now because I'm still researching, but she has a pretty big wig fundraiser coming up in Malibu, California, and some of the people uh, co-hosting that fundraiser, kind of questionable. I don't want to report it yet because I'm still researching and I want to have my facts right, but stay tuned. So she's not a name quality. She's not a, a well-known quality. I mean, her biggest highlights were grilling Brett Kavanaugh and others in congressional hearings, which was good. I'm not taking it away from her, but she hasn't really accomplished anything. Bernie Sanders has, contrary to what, you know, you hear, what has he ever done? Uh, he's the Amendment King. He just led an effort that for the first time the War Powers Act is being used to try and stop the United States, uh, gen you know, supporting genocide in Yemen. He's gotten, I believe now, over 20 co-sponsors on his Medicare for All bill. Now he has uh, a bill, uh, I'm not in love with you know, it being with Chuck Schumer, 
but uh, fighting the stock buybacks and all this. Fight for 15. Bernie, and, and he forced Jeff Bezos to raise the minimum wage at Amazon in addition to twisting Disney's hand. And I'm pretty sure on the campaign trail, he's coming for Walmart next. So you look at this, and I think it, 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 he didn't have as much of a black problem as the media tried to paint. And you want to know how I know this? Uh, the polls support it. So... Non-whites, 64% favorability rating. And this is from Gallup 2018. There's another one I saw recently. Sorry, I don't have it. He was at 73%. 73%. And I also think uh, from this new poll for Morning Consult, well, you have um, the majority of your support coming from working people under 50000 making under $50,000. Your worst support is over 100000 Well, let me guess why those people over $100,000 don't like Bernie Sanders. Maybe they'll pay a little bit more in taxes. Maybe they, maybe they think, you know, of this mentality. There's no such thing as a free lunch, even though most of them were probably born with privileges and built-in benefits that a lot of people at that under $50,000 range didn't have. But I can promise you there's a hell of a lot more people hovering around $50,000 in this country than over $100,000 in this country, as you could see with the income inequality. So this is a good start. Let's not do jumping jacks. Uh, let's not declare... Bernie's weakness in 2016, now his strength, but he's making inroads. And I also like the fact that this isn't being talked about a lot, that he's talking about going after red states, because I agree with him. You know, Obama said in 2004, there's no such thing as blue states, red states in the United States. No, there is such thing as blue states and red states. However, in a lot of those red, red states, a lot of those re- Republicans are, progr- are closet Republicans. They just don't know it. That's why you have a lot of Donald Trump supporters that when I asked them and when pollsters asked them, who would, you, who would you vote for other than Trump? Bernie is a popular choice. You want to know why? Because they voted for Trump based on a lot of progressive promises. I'm going to repeal NAFTA. I'm going after the banks. Uh, you know, everyone's going to be covered healthcare wise. We're going to end these pointless wars. Did he mean any of it? Of course not. But, you know, that's what fake populism does. When fake populism meets economic desperation and hopelessness, that's how you get a Trump. How you defeat a Trump is with real populism. It's not that, not that hard. And, it, you know, we know what's going to happen based on these polls. The corporate media establishment is either going to not even cover it, Bernie Sanders uh, at, at a very solid 28% among African Americans, or they're going to pretend, well, you know, it's early, and no, oh, these polls aren't right. Every other poll that is bad for Bernie Sanders, good. Polls with him higher, well, you know, we've got to look at the context, we've got to look under the hood, and blah, 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 blah. As far as Biden, I think Biden is having the same thing Hillary Clinton had. Frankly, remember Hillary Clinton before she ran again, before she announced she was running and that period after secretary of state, uh, before she announced her run, she was one of the most popular politicians in the country. She had very high approval ratings as secretary of state. And then that period between secretary of state and when she ran, it was a whole nother story after she ran, because frankly, people saw that this is just same old, same old, and more and more. And obviously the WikiLeaks showed, you know, that her campaign was basically trying to, like, it it was extreme makeover Hillary Clinton edition. I think you're going to see the same thing with Joe Biden, not just among whites, excuse me, not just among blacks, but among whites too. I mean, he is what he is. He drafted the crime bill. He was for welfare reform. He was for uh, segregated busing. He he did not come around on that as soon as uh, other civil right leaders did. And frankly... You know, when they talk middle class Joe, I mean, I think once it comes out that he, too, was for NAFTA, that he, too, is big, uh, big on the TPP. Biden's going to try and run an anti-Trump campaign if he runs, just like Hillary Clinton. 
But people are waking up. People in the Rust Belt, people in the South, people all over the place. More and more people don't just vote on uh, personality or who speaks to them charismatically. They're looking under the hood. That's why Bernie Sanders is so popular. I can promise you the 15, 13 to 15,000 people that were out there freezing their behind off for Bernie Sanders in Brooklyn, and that's part of why I think I have a cold because I wasn't dressed warm enough. They're not there because they think he's some charismatic guy. They're there because he's authentic and he's pr- pr- producing policies that would help their life. And when they look under the hood at his previous record, it comes out consistent and clean, and he's not a phony. So I'd be, you know, re- record this video. I think if Joe Biden announces that no- those numbers with African Americans, once once he's inspected by actual journalists, I don't expect it to come from the corporate media, but more and more actual journalists, status coup, uh, GoFundMe, so we could cover the campaign. Uh, Joe Biden's in trouble. Joe Biden's in trouble. And I don't think these numbers for Kamala Harris are, are per- particularly good, because make no mistake, the key to winning the Democratic primary is twofold. Number one, whoever uh, whoever brings out the most minority voters. And number two, whoever brings out voters who have never voted before. So it's not, you know, Bernie does have to bring out the progressive base, which I don't think he'll have a problem with, frankly, the way Elizabeth Warren is looking. I think she might drop off, drop have to drop out early because she's just not catching on. And I don't really see it happening, to tell you the truth. Uh, she's behind in New Hampshire to Bernie Sanders significantly. And she's from the neighboring state, Massachusetts. But I think Bernie Sanders, like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who won in large part because she brought out new voters who had never voted or had stopped voting. I think Bernie Sanders, if he brings out uh, more African-American voters, if he brings out new voters who haven't voted, and frankly, if he plucks away like even 5 to 10 percent of the Hillary Clinton vote, he's your nominee. Even if they try to rig it, even if they try to rig it, which we're going to talk about next, he's still going to win if that's the case. So we'll see. So he's beating Kamala. He also signed, uh, signed, you know, his blood away to the Democratic Party, which uh, I have mixed feelings on. So let's uh, show you what's going on with this. Uh, and remember, statuscoup.com slash join. Vermont Independent Senator Bernie Sanders has signed a loyalty pledge promising to run and govern as a Democrat if he wins the presidency in 2020, a new requirement for candidates that largely grew out of his 2016 campaign. Well, that's an understatement. They, they made this specifically for Bernie Sanders. They want him to like, it's like Game of Thrones. They want him to like bend down and kneel to the king. The pledge Sanders signed, <coughs> the pledge Sanders signed was given to all active Democratic presidential campaigns last week. It affirms to the DNC chairman that they are a Democrat or a member of the Democratic Party, will accept the Democratic nomination, and will run and serve as a member of the Democratic Party. It's an issue that arose during Sanders' first presidential run with concerns among some Democrats that the long-term, long-time independent and self-decrimed Democratic Socialist might run as a third-party candidate after losing the nomination to Hillary Clinton. At the same time that the party adopted the loyalty pledge for presidential candidates, it also made changes to the nominating process that were sought by Sanders and his supporters, like minimizing the role of superdelegates. The party rules state that a candidate must, quote, be a bona fide Democrat whose record of public service, accomplishment, public writings, and or public statements affirmatively demonstrates that the candidate is faithful to the interests, welfare, and success of the Democratic Party of the United States, who subscribes to the substance, intent, and principles of the charter. Oh, my God. This is awful. Basically, fall in line with what the Democratic Party stands for. And if you don't fall in line with that, you're not a Democrat. That's essentially what this says. So 
I'm not going to read the rest. I mean, you get the point. So I feel mixed about this. On one hand, I don't really give a shit what Bernie Sanders signs. And I don't really care if Bernie Sanders is, is running as a marshmallow candidate or an alien. Um, because frankly, you know, this is Bernie's last hurrah, right? He's 77. So I'm not saying if the Democratic Party tries to rig the primary, because there is no if. They are. They're going to do it. They're already doing it. It might not be in the same form as last time. They might not be stupid enough to put it in their emails. They might just call and plant negative stories on Bernie Sanders. They might, uh, you know, we have to, I'm going to be investigating and status quo will investigate what's going on in these primary states. Are they trying to close down polling stations? Are they trying to, are they sending out disinformation through the mail? There's a lot of subtle things that altogether amount to voter suppression and ultimately fraud. So, I see that Bernie Sanders is trying to play ball with the Democratic Party because he recognizes, just like I said on the last story, he needs to he needs to pluck away at least at least he needs to keep his base. Number one, he needs to expand his base. So get more people who never voted more. Like I said, more of those new 18 year olds that are voting. And he's going to have to get probably five to 10 percent of the establishment vote those people who voted for Hillary Clinton in the primaries. Uh, he also, honestly, in open primary states, he might get a lot of Republicans who, because you could vote in an open primary, in an open primary state, you don't have to be a Democrat. He might get Republicans that are disenchanted with Trump and vote for him. But I think he's playing ball because he recognizes that he has to, he has to endear himself uh, in some way to the establishment. So a lot of you watching, including me, might be like, well, fuck that. Oop demonetized. Uh, fuck that. These people rigged the primary in 2016. They're going to rig it again. And why are you signing something that is basically bending down and taking away your leverage or rights if you're uh, run? if you're um, what's the word? If you uh, end up running, uh, if you end up, um, if they end up screwing you, sorry, sick. Well, I say to this, you know, Bernie Sanders has been in Washington a long time. I might be wrong. He might ultimately, even if he gets rigged again, be a good boy and step aside and honor this contract. But as far as I'm concerned, when they rigged the primary, this contract that Bernie Sanders signed is null and void. He could take it, light it on fire, or stick it up somebody's butt for all I care. Maybe himself. Uh, because if they're not going to honor that they're supposed to be neutral, I'm talking about the DNC, I'm talking about the Democratic Party led by Nancy Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, I'm talking about the, the media that's in bed with them, if they're not going to be neutral, if they're not going to be uh, doing this in a fair way, if they're not going to say, you know what, we want, you know, we're going to try to have as many debates as possible, we're going to try and have uh, in each state, obviously states depend on a local board of elections, the governor uh, sets rules, but I want to see who are on these board of elections in these states. Who are the governor, these governors of these states who were very in bed with Hillary Clinton? Are they campaigning for any of these other candidates? So there's a lot we have to look at. But basically, the Democratic Party has a part in this, too, because if they don't honor it, and I don't expect them to, then it's null and void. He could toss it out, and I say run as an independent. And I think, honestly, if the Democratic Party tries to screw Bernie Sanders again, which I think they're going to. We live in the real world. I'm not telling fairy tales to you people. It would be nice if they didn't, but they probably will. I think Bernie Sanders needs to say, screw it. I, you know, I played nice with you. I, I, I went on a tour with Tom. I went on a unity tour with Tom Perez, an embarrassed, 
where Tom Perez was embarrassed. I've, I've done press conferences and let uh, Chuck Schumer sign on to bills with me. I've done my part. If you're going to screw me again, uh, screw your pledge. I'm running as an independent. And frankly, if they screw him, I think in a three-way contest between, let's say, Bernie Sanders as an independent, Donald Trump, if Donald Trump is still president, who knows at this point, and I don't know, throw in Beto O'Rourke. I think Bernie Sanders would win. I think Bernie Sanders is the best chance in American history for an independent candidate to win. So we have to take off our rose-colored glasses, which the viewers are smart, so many of you don't have rose-colored glasses. They are going to rig it. I mean, they're already starting. You see it through the media. Uh, you see it through uh, the DCC, the DCCC did a little visual uh, Facebook post the other day saying, which candidate are you excited about? Conveniently, Bernie Sanders was left off that list. Credit to them. They had Tulsi Gabbard as an option, but Bernie Sanders was left off that list. Why is that? I mean, he's in the front of many polls or number two, but the DCCC, which is the Democratic uh, Congressional Campaign Committee, they left Bernie Sanders off that. Isn't that interesting? Tom Perez, he was on, I believe, with Chris Hayes last week. He was twisting himself into a pretzel to avoid saying Bernie Sanders' name. It was painful to watch, actually. Twisting himself into knots to avoid saying Bernie Sanders' name. So it ain't if. It's when they try to rig it. Like I said, I know a lot of you are going to be unhappy with what Bernie's doing, but there is practical realities, and he does need to play ball because the only way he's going to win that nomination is if he pulls over some of those Hillary Clinton voters. Uh, If he doesn't, he would need to bring out a record number of African-Americans, a record number of millennials, and um, bring out a lot of new voters who didn't vote. That's, that's, a, that's not an easy thing to do. It's made easier if he gets 5 to 10% of Hillary Clinton voters, which I think is possible, particularly maybe not the 55 and older crowd who's you know, living in their little uh, socialism bubble, socialism equals communism, but that 40, that 40, that 40 and over crowd, he might be able because people want to beat Donald Trump. So even if Hillary Clinton voters that I don't think the 55 and older, but I think the 40 and older, if they think that Bernie Sanders is the best to beat him, and I think the polls, when they do more head-to-head polls, are going to show that, they will line up and they will, quote-unquote, fall in line. Mark my words. Hillary Clinton's campaign, her staffers, her aides, enraged, absolutely enraged by Bernie Sanders' campaign, 2.0, and frankly, his success from faithful establishment uh, rag Politico. Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton formally made peace at a New Hampshire unity event in July 2016. I was there. It's still nauseating seeing that where the two rivals sought to put the acrimonious Democratic primary behind them. Clinton staffers, however, weren't party to that agreement. And now that Sanders is embarking on a second run for president, they're making their true feelings about the Vermont Senator known both on the record and on background on Twitter and on cable television, Clinton's former aides and allies are taking pains to lay out what they see as all of Sanders flaws, imperfections and vulnerabilities, much as he once did to their ex-boss during a primary that saw mud flying on both sides. So already, already it's total propaganda bullshit. Bernie Sanders didn't talk about her flaws, her imperfections, her vulnerabilities. If he would have done that, he would have talked about the damn emails, which was that no politician in all of America would have done what Bernie Sanders would have done. They would have talked about those emails till they were blue in the face. Bernie Sanders 
chose to do the right thing and not talk about those emails. It was the right thing ethically because I don't like Hillary Clinton, but I don't even think that ranks on the top 10 of terrible things about Hillary Clinton. But politically, he hurt himself. Bernie Sanders hit her on policy. But, you know, to this massive corporate distraction machine, those are personal attacks. Quote, I would say, and for all I know, the Sanders people might take this as a compliment. Among a lot of the major donors of the party, there's concerns that he could emerge, said David Brock, a longtime Clinton ally who founded a pro-Clinton super PAC in the 2016 campaign and later authored a public apology to Sanders for some of his bare-knuckled criticisms during the primary. Quote, there are some very dyed-in-the-wool Democrats that wouldn't at all be enthusiastic about supporting him in a general election. You know what's so great about this? And of course, Politico didn't mention that David Brock, David Brock was literally in charge of a paid troll army to smear Bernie Sanders, Tulsi Gabbard, Nina Turner, Cornel West, Jimmy Dore, me, you name it. It's, it's a paid troll army, but, but Russia and their trolls. David Brock is essentially saying the aristocracy, the oligarchy, the bourgeoisie, is afraid of Bernie Sanders emerging. Sure, he dresses it up in very dyed-in-the-wool Democrats wouldn't be at all enthusiastic about him. If, if you mean by dye-in-the-wool Democrats, multimillionaires and billionaires, yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. But the problem is David Brock, I mean, David Brock was a Republican. Remember, David Brock, he is a Republican, frankly. But David Brock was, you know, a Republican and used to be on the offensive against the Clintons before he, you know, came over to the Clinton side. So I don't think die-in-the-wool Democrats would be against Bernie Sanders if he had the best chance to beat Donald Trump. Everybody wants to beat Donald Trump. This is what Jimmy and I and other progressives who frankly have been consistent, there's a lot of progressives who haven't, have said, we're not deranged or, or, or critical of Hillary Clinton and the Democratic Party for sport, for ratings, for clicks. It's because we want to beat Trump. Because we want to beat Mitch McConnell and Paul Ryan and Ted Cruz and Steve King and Louis Gohmert and the rest of the lunatic, racist, Islamophobic, homophobic, oligarch-loving Republican Party. That's the top priority. But the reason you, we, you become more critical of the Democratic Party is because if you don't have an opposition party to take out these extreme lunatics, then what do you have? You're left with the extreme lunatics. And by the way, this milk toast Democratic Party, this Republican light party, is helping them pass 50% of the toxic shit they're passing. From bank de- deregulation to oil drilling to offshore oil to, you know, um, this ridiculous thing. I'm going to cover it more tomorrow. This ridiculous resolution of anti-Semitism, even though Congresswoman Ilhan Omar is not being anti-Semitic and I'm a Jew. And my parents, my father is a big Zionist. He thinks Israel could do no wrong. He thinks Netanyahu could do no wrong. And he would be mad if I said this, but I don't care. Uh, you know, I'm, pr- I'm Jewish. I'm proud to be Jewish. I- I've been to Israel. It's a beautiful country. But Israel's not perfect. And Israel has done a lot of terrible things to Palestinians. And as an American, you have the right to say that. We, you know, it's not I pledge allegiance to the flag of Israel. And so the Democratic Party is putting, you know, signing their names on some toxic shit. Ilhan Omar is right. APOC, like the NRA, like a lot of lobbies, are buying off the politicians. That's not anti-Semitic. She has plenty of nice things to say about Jewish people. I've seen her say it. Anyway, 
I'll talk about that more tomorrow. Um, but it's so amazing because David Brock is literally admitting that it's the high-end elitist millionaire and billionaire donors that don't want Bernie Sanders to emerge. You're, you, you're not, he doesn't realize it. He's gifting Bernie Sanders. That is a gift what he's saying to Bernie Sanders. You know, well, you know, you might be for the working people and everything, but like the, the die, what did he say? The, the uh, dyed-in-the-wool Democrat does, is not enthusiastic? Well, according to the polls, they're pretty enthusiastic. According to the polls, uh, let's see. I mean, 78% favorability rating, and that was in September among Democrats. 50, 54% among independents. And by the way, on the independent point, I, I sent out a tweet this morning, a thread, at Jordan Chariton, by the way. Twitter's suppressing me too, so make sure you follow me at, at Jordan Chariton and click on, you know, if you want to get a notification when I tweet. You have MSNBC and, and this woman, uh, Stephanie Rule. She used to be a reporter for Bloomberg. She loves Wall Street. She, she bows down to Warren Buffett and to uh, Michael Bloomberg and all these people. They keep talking about, well, you know, what about that, the vast middle of the country that don't want Bernie Sanders and, and the extreme left, as she call, called it? You know, what's go, who's going to win out? The extreme middle of the country and what they want, which is like a centrist like Joe Biden or Michael Bloomberg or the extreme left? I, I tweeted this. Literally, you are saying things that are factually incorrect. You are a propagandist. There is no, there is no vast middle of the country. There's independent voters, independent voters that either lean left or lean right. Frankly, most independents lean left. And guess what? Bernie Sanders, not by a small margin, by a big margin, has the highest favorability rating of any politician in America among that middle, the independents. So, you could keep saying it. You could keep framing that there's this, you know, vast middle of the country that don't want the extreme left. But apparently by the polls, they do. Let me, let me fix this. Apparently by the polls, they do. And another thing, apparently by the polls, and MSNBC, like their anchor should just do some research or they're just intentionally, you know, covering it up. Um, according to the polls, it's not just the majority of the country, 70% that want Medicare for all. It's the majority of Republicans. There's other polls that sell not just the majority of the country that want to raise taxes on the wealthy and corporations, the majority of Republicans. Uh, free public college is polling high among Republicans. Fight a, a $15 minimum, minimum wage, polling high among Republicans. Ending our involvement in all these foreign wars, polling high among Republicans. The, the main difference is the immigration, which is, polls incredibly high, the anti-immigrant fervor. But on main, mainstream economic issues, the majority of the country... Ain't in the middle, to the left. Even Republicans are signing on for progressive policy. So the Hillbots might not like it, and the Hillbots mean MSNBC, CNN, all these people, but that's the facts. These are the facts. Brock and Sanders would be hard-pressed to unite the different— Brock said Sanders would be hard-pressed to unite the different wings of the Democratic Party, and his ability to raise vast sums of money through small donations could ultimately result in him staying in the race past the point when he could win, which, quote, is not necessarily good for the eventual nominee and therefore could be helpful for President Trump. Oh, here we go. They're already telling him to fall in line, even when he's kind of the front-runner, at least among— I mean, to be fair, Biden is polling slightly better than him, but he's the front runner among candidates who announced. It's a familiar grievance, one that many Clinton allies lodged against Sanders in 2016 when he refused to concede, even after it appeared he had little mathematical chance of winning the party nomination. 
Jeff Weaver, top advisor to Sanders, who ran his campaign in 2016, shot back that Sanders' grassroots army of supporters, quote, could make him the nominee and dismissed the notion that the absence of large donors would hurt him in a general election. Quote, it's not a secret that people who would hang out with David Brock would be putting their class interests instead of the party and the country. Boom! Knock him out, Jeff Weaver. Figuratively, not literally. We have got to nominate somebody who is going to energize and excite the grassroots, not a handful of billionaires. In recent weeks, former Clinton aides have blasted Sanders for everything from his policy record to his campaign kickoff speech to the composition of his small-dollar donors. The attacks come as Sanders is in the midst of a successful rollout, raising $10 million less in less than a week into his 2020 candidacy and attracting a combined 25,000-plus people in his first two kickoff rallies. Also has a million volunteers, which is amazing. Uh, and this, this I couldn't believe. When Sanders pulled in one million in the first three and a half hours of his campaign, Adam Parkomenko, the former director of grassroots engagement for the 2016 campaign, tweeted, for Clinton's 2016 campaign, tweeted, only half were named Vladimir. Oh, God. I mean, what what, what can you say to this shit? And, and I, I've already told you. I've already told you, folks. You wait. You wait till they start saying, and the Hillbots and MSNBC and CNN and the Washington Post, you know, I'm sure they'll break the record. There'll be 25 negative stories in a day. Well, wait. Bernie Sanders and Jane Sanders, they honeymooned in Russia. Well, why did they honeymoon in Russia? Who did they talk to in Russia? Where did they eat? Where did they sleep? What was the weather? Do you like my Russian accent? <laughs> So apparently uh, half of the million dollars was from Vladimir Putin. Uh, That's one of Hillary Clinton's top campaign aides. In a February op-ed for NBC, Zach Petkanis, the director of rapid response for Clinton's 2016 campaign, slammed Sanders' past positions on gun control, immigration, and same-sex marriage, which I find amazing because Bernie Sanders was for same-sex marriage way earlier than any other politician when it was severe, extremely unpopular. And I think the gun control stuff has honestly been unfair dating back to 2016. And after Sanders' first rally of this weekend, former Clinton campaign aide Zerlina Maxwell claimed on MSNBC that Sanders, quote, did not mention race or gender until 23 minutes into his speech. She later walked back her comments somewhat after critics, including former Sanders campaign staffer Walid Shahid, noted that Sanders talked about racism and sexism much earlier in the event. And I want to say something about that. And this might get me in trouble, but I don't really care because I tweeted this at uh, Zerlina Maxwell. I don't I don't. I don't know Zerlina Maxwell at all, FYI, and I, picked, I don't particularly care. But I, I think Sean King basically said, like, you're, you're, you're lying. I mean, he talked about criminal justice reform, I think, within six minutes. He talked about other race issues way earlier than 23 minutes. So you're just not being honest. So she writes back basically not, not acknowledging that she lied. And, and it's okay if you could be wrong. She could have just been wrong and missed – earlier in the speech that he talked about it and just say, you know, my bad. Kudos to him. You don't have to like Bernie Sanders to just admit you were wrong. But then she says, and be careful talking, uh, calling a woman of color a liar. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. I'm sorry if this isn't PC, but I don't care if you're glow-in-the-dark purple. If you're going to put out propaganda that's nonsense, don't hide behind your gender and your race. This is the problem with identity politics. 
it, it allows people who are putting out falsehoods that are remaking their brand and their image on the fly, that are saying things that aren't true, that are inconsistent, to cloud themselves under a veil of racism and sexism. I think racism and sex- sexism exist. I do. I think there was sexism against Hillary Clinton. It's not why she lost, but I think it was a thing. But you could have racism and sexism, but not hide behind it when you're putting out things that are wrong. You know, I can't say if I put out something that's wrong, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Jew and I'm pale. I'm a pale. How dare you call a pale Jew a liar? I'm not trying to be racially insensitive. I cover a lot of issues that are particularly important to African-American communities. But I find it outrageous that somebody like Zerlina Maxwell would tweet out, be careful about accusing a, a woman of color from lying. If you're a liar, you're going to be called out. If you're saying things that aren't true, you're going to be called out. Do you expect not to because you're a woman of color? It's ridiculous. So if people don't like me saying that, so be it. But that's the truth. And that's why I never, uh, I criticize white people, black people, purple, I don't care. If you're putting out propaganda, you're going to be criticized and you should expect to. You're a public figure. If you're putting out, how you know, Bernie Sanders didn't talk about race or gender till 23 minutes in. Well, if that's provably false, do you expect people to just be like, hey, you know, can, can, can I invite you over for tea and talk about our, the discrepancies? Come on. Anyway, I digress. Sorry, I got a little off topic. <sighs> Sanders, all too aware of the knock from Clinton supporters in 2016 that his fans were abusive online, has sought to encourage party unity. He sent an email to more than 100 surrogates last month calling on them to, quote, engage respectfully with other Democratic contenders in 2020. As we engage with our opponents in the Democratic primary, we will forcefully present our views and defend ourselves against misrepresentation, he said. But let us do our best to engage respectfully with our Democratic opponents, talking about the issues we are fighting for, not about personalities or past grievances. I want to be clear that I condemn bullying and harassment of any kind and in any space. I personally didn't think this was necessary. I think it adds credence to attacks on him that there's such a thing as Bernie bros harassing people online. I, I don't know why he did it because uh, I don't really see his supporters harassing people online. I see his reporters pointing out that O'Rourke's not progressive, Kamala Harris isn't progressive. If that's harassment, then we, then we need to grow up, frankly. Uh, they also knocked him for not kissing Hillary Clinton's ring enough. So still Sanders doesn't pretend he and Clinton are pals. When he was asked last week on The View whether he would seek advice from Clinton as other 2020 contenders have, there was no artifice in his answer. I suspect not, he said. Hillary and I have fundamental differences. His answer didn't go over well with Clinton allies who viewed it as a poke in the eye. I don't know who our nominee, quote, I don't know who our nominee is going to be, but I damn sure But I damn sure that beating Trump and getting America back on the right footing is going to require a unified Democratic Party. So crap like this 613 days before Election Day is irresponsible, counterproductive and sets us all back, tweeted Clinton spokesperson Nick Merrill. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's get this straight. So Bernie Sanders should seek guidance from the candidate who had the highest unfavorable rating of any Democratic nominee in American history. Okay, the most unpopular Democratic nominee in American history. He should seek guidance from that person. He should seek guidance from somebody who lost to a used car salesman reality TV show host. He should seek guidance from somebody who literally, after she lost, set up a ridiculous narrative that Russia stole the election from her. She should, he should seek guidance for someone who forgot to campaign in Wisconsin, who pulled volunteers out of Michigan, who was st- 
strategically dumb enough to go to Arizona instead of Michigan and Wisconsin? Do you want him to lose? Do you want the da- What do you want him to seek guidance from her for? About what? They don't agree on policy. I mean, he's not saying she's Lucifer. He's saying, no, uh, you know, I'm okay. I'll, I'll, I'll seek guidance elsewhere. So, you know, to unify the party, you have to kiss the ring of the, the candidate that lost in one of the most embarrassing defeats in American history? No, thank you.